Hi there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them. As our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. everyone welcome back to the show this is mo and i am day and today i have a very special friend and i know i say special a lot for a lot of my guests but this person is really special wow. We've, we go a long way and it's the kind of friendship that we kind of do really keep in touch but when we started talking it was almost like you just resumed the play button mm-hmm. and it wasn't very hard to just you know catch up on how's life been and you know what's been happening with you and to you and today just know that when I say I have the special honor or even just the excitement I feel about having to talk to this person and bring them on, on board to share their story and their life experiences and passion. So it's with you know utmost honor that I introduce my very dear friend. His name is Von Apochi. He's a Nigerian currently based in the U.S. He's the founder and president of the Sabiwaka Natural Company, which is a natural in a company they do natural foods and um, supplements. He's also an entertainer and a business analyst. As an entertainer, he has been featured in reality TV shows. You probably might know him from Gouda Ultimate Search. He was quite infamous. Um, he's been on radio shows and several stage productions. He considers himself to be proudly African and he loves diverse com- um, cultures. He also describes himself as highly adventurous and sociable. Everyone, please join me in welcoming Von Drum Idon, roll. like I call him, on the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Von. Hello. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, is this like some Hollywood kind of introduction when you want to go get the Oscar and everything, you know? Even better. Even better. They ain't seen nothing yet. They ain't seen you, nothing man. yet. <laughs> and, guys, we've, we've had, like, 30 minutes of pre-roll call just you know chatting and you know trying to get the king's working so we're already charged up for you guys mm-hmm. um i think Vaughn, to kind of get the conversation going maybe we can just talk a little bit about how we oh met. yeah so do you recall how we met Vaughn? oh yeah so uh pretty much i i remember um in university uh early days in the university when you know a diploma right cool everybody came up from different backgrounds you know smart kids in nigeria they called them my jebota children because it was really expensive to afford the diploma man so everybody that was there was pretty much you know maybe from a rich background average little tilting towards the rich background or you are in the scholarship as so one of the well as one of the people you know, who was children. not a diploma student <laughs> i know what you're talking about <laughs> You know, you know, diploma has okay, levels. Okay, don't ask your, your family like that. Come on, show some respect. You know, so everybody came in and, um, you know, humble kids. But yeah, pretty much proud, humble, mix of good, bad, and ugly. You know, I, I was pretty much a class rep then, right? I was a class rep, right? Cool. The class captain, right? 
Yes, you were. I, and Vaughn is someone that, I mean, he's the first to record oh with you. Goodness. I mean, he, he has the height to carry, right? You have the height and that presence. Mm-hmm. He was always smiling. Hello, my name is Vaughn, you know. <laughs> I, I remember I met you through Lamide. I came, you know, Lamide. Yeah. Shout out to Lamide, yeah. by the way. I'll oh, say Lamide. I'll just get out like Lamide. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so Vaughn, Lamide and Ayamide are very good friends are as well. So real? Lamide is also. Oh my goodness, yes, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, that's the question I'm yeah, still asking. Well, they're both where people say they found themselves. Yes, they're both where people say they found themselves. You can't get you know? on this we podcast. are like, oh my, Miss Lamide, oh my goodness. She's been, she's been. Should... Tolani, we need to actually have Lamide together. But that's a different. That's a different. Ooh. I know. I told her. I told her that she needs to come for a threesome, a healthy threesome. Oh and she my laughed. She was like, "How she's gonna be able to communicate with both of oh, us?" The that threesome we're said sounds a little bit suggestive, you know. And no, I said a healthy one. Oh, not okay. The, not, oh, come yeah, back even, to the light. No, even, come back no, to the light. <laughs> all threesomes are healthy. <laughs> this is not the podcast. We, can, we have after hour <laughs> podcast. But anyways, I think my first memory of you was just you being very welcoming mm-hmm. and and just very open. I remember we used to hang out quite a lot. We used to yeah, go study at right. the education building. building. Oh, God. And one of my, <laughs> yes. And I know you were in New Great Hall as well. Yeah. And, I think, and I think the memory that really stayed with me was when they kind of had to close the hostel for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And we had exams because mm-hmm. back then, diploma, diploma for those that might not know is kind of like another pathway for you to get into college, college yeah. if you didn't go getting through like you know jam yeah, or whatever yeah. jam is like a big exam we do mm-hmm. uh, and by the way i'm not an ajebota my parents had to take out a huge collateral to send me to school That's but anyways I, I digress um and my mom helps help me and help me get a place at the vistas launch it was mm-hmm. lodge it was me and debola and i remember De-Bola. you said and I, I realized that you didn't find a place to stay i'm like come stay with yeah. us and we all, you know, cramped up in that one, one room. room. And oh I think we slept on the floor. So I'm like, phone on the floor in my room. And so whenever I see you on, online or yeah. hear about you, I'm like, I actually shared a bed space with that oh guy. But it's not a story I want to just tell uh, everybody. But let's talk about anyways, let's, um, we'll talk about it sometime. <laughs> yes, we can talk about it. So I just want to, I use that to just say, the memories I have of you were just always so bright. Mm. And you have this easy way of bringing people, you know, together and just, you know, um, I don't know. You, you're just you have that warmth about you. So Thank you very much. And also to, to compliment what you just said, just like an addendum or like um, you know to buttress the point is um, Mo. It, it, the first thing that attracted me to her was the fact that she's a naturally likable person. I'm not. No, she didn't pay me nothing for this. Okay, I mean, they don't come at me, right? Now she's a naturally. No, likable I will have to person. agree with you there. Actually, everybody, <laughs> you know, this kind of person, you know, you know, you know, you know, in your class or in your environment or community, that kind of person that you just, but everybody loves. She's she talks. She's happy. I like she's happy. Do you know, at the point I was asking Agazie, you know, I was like, one of our mutual friend. I was like, is, is, is she on, really is she tell on me drugs? Does nothing... Yeah, no, <laughs> no, not really the drug bar. I like, does nothing offend me. this girl? She's always happy. So when I heard she has this podcast and everything, I was like, yes, that's the trend. That's the point. Because she's just lively and happy and me for me i'm attracted to happy people i'm attracted to and she's brilliant she's one of the best she graduated one of the best in our class too i hope i don't know if she said that to you at some point she's one of the best (laughs) as in top-notch best while she was my friend then i looked up to her sometimes i go to her to you know 
we studied together, of course, and she's quick to understand everything. Like the brain is magical. You know, when they teach us those calculuses, uh, real analysis, uh, whatever those maths that we were doing then, she was just on point. And I was like, God, where did this, where, this brain, God, can I have part of this brain? You know, you know, pretty much good then too, but she's just way out of water, man. Trust me, she's good. Oh, that was so uncomfortable to you. I'm like, who is this person you are talking about? Because I want to be friends with that person. Oh, is you? Be friends <laughs> with wait, yourself, thank man. you. <laughs> thank you for... Thank you for... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say too much, but thank you. But I want to make this all about you, actually. I want to make this all about you. You... You you've done so much, right? You you I think I see you as a multi potentialist, you know, someone that has diverse gifts and talents. And so let's take it back to you. Um, how did you find out your your calling in life? Because it seems like you you, you tend to do a lot, but you tend to also do them well. So maybe just walk us through, you know, your your what you do and what you currently do and how you're able to manage all of that. All right. So my growing up was um um highly motivating because i have a mom who has this sort of this tenacity and doggedness to achieve everything she wants to achieve in life my mom was a principal was a school teacher you know uh, retired as a principal school principal so she was a disciplinarian also and um my dad was um my dad is late now so my dad was um he worked in shell so was pretty much um this corporate guy traveled a lot you know very exposed so i looked up to them you know this thing they say kids first role models are the parents so i got this classy you know shell kind of thing from my dad i wanted to be there then my mom was this upright you know dot your eyes and cross the t kind of mother you know and we had this morning devotion every time and she told us you must succeed in life you must make it you must do this and all of that and early enough we had um my dad bought this big fiber um um cable tv then it just came in nigeria a long time ago back then you know so we pretty much watched mnet Af- um, no there was no african magic then bob tv so all the magic. <laughs> yeah captain planet and all of those cartoons i was like Voltron. So, Voltron, <laughs> yeah pretty much those ones then the new ones that came up then you know so and I was always telling my siblings, I want to be a celebrity. I want to be a star. I may not be a, an A-list star, but at least I want to be famous. I always said it to me. I was like, like ah. I said, one day I'm going to be on Mnet. You guys are going to sit here and watch me on this Mnet. So my my siblings are like, ah, Lord, you started again. Oh, this is your brag, mouth, mouth, mouth. They keep saying all of those things. So but eventually, before I even, before we met um, during Diplomat, I'd already done a reality TV show called The Gladiators. You know, that was, um, it was big across Africa, but wasn't really big in Nigeria because we didn't have so much airing in Nigeria, but it was huge in South Africa and a couple of other countries. You know, uh, when I went to South Africa, trust me, I didn't even know from the airport people recognized me because they, because I, I was very famous then, you know, on the gladiators. Uh, it was shot in Nigeria, but it was organized by South Africa, sponsored by a, a, a popular telecommunications brand. I don't want to promote them here. And also, um, a mobile phone it was big you know and that was the first time i appeared on mnet because it was shown on mnet the real mnet not african magic mnet <laughs> so and i didn't tell my siblings i didn't tell anybody so um a day to when it was going to be aired i called my mom and i said you guys 
um, watch TMNet nine o'clock, and guess what? Boom, Vaughn, I like dream come true. So I've always had this tenacious drive, this you know will to succeed from my mother. My mom says she's gonna do something, she does it against all odds, you know. So over time, that's been what shaped my drive towards being a renaissance person or whatever you want to call it someone who does multiple things and try to succeed in almost everything that he touches that's the background wow wow i mean i think if i could summarize what you said so far is your family just provided that template for you to be able to launch your dreams and it seemed that you um you you use that as a springboard i'm glad that you're you're, you're living your dreams again like and you said i'm gonna be on tv someday and guess what you made it happen before social media even became a, a thing because now it's so easy for anybody to like well not easy it's relatively easier for you to go viral back by just then, yes, saying exactly. the wrong thing mm-hmm. there's yeah back then it's difficult to even get on tv you're how right. much more on a major, a major production so you're kudos right. to you thanks thank you you talked you talked about how um your your friends and family were very mm-hmm. you know going all joseph's brothers on you, and, you know, being like how dare you talk about you'll be greater than everybody else mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's a difficult bible joke for those who don't know <laughs> but but you know like i was i was curious um it, it, it got me thinking about what what kind of what kind of um memories you have of your childhood because the first question that came to my mind when you said that was was that because you were not sure of how things would be or was that sort of the sort of more very nigerian you know you don't want to tell them because you know that they're going to be like what how do you do that how dare you you know that sort of thing you know um so one i'm curious about what you thought the response was that made you or what what made you not tell them but then i'd just like to know some a bit more about what childhood memories you have that you think on often and find you know you're fond of okay so before i talk about the childhood memories i want to um uh, clear this part yeah it wasn't a joseph mm. syndrome kind of it was more like uh um an impossible not 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 like oh you're gonna be greater than us mm. but like this uh, is impossible wasn't so they hollowed that way above <laughs> my potentials or <laughs> what I could have, yeah, contempt, you know, more like... Yeah, a prophet is in, you know, what the Bible exact, will say about a prophet Exactly, so, yeah. so that that was that part, you know, then achieving it, it wasn't the Nigerian or I don't know if I'm, it just sounds, if it comes out bad, you know, pretty much Africans, we like keeping things to ourselves mm. because we're afraid someone is going to jinx it or uh, we think some witchcraft somewhere so but it wasn't that part mm. it wasn't that that wasn't the reason why i didn't tell them i just wanted it to be a wala okay. kind you of, effect, see you know, kind of surprise yeah. you know that's the reason i i kept it away exactly yeah. more yeah. like that you know so yeah, your family is quite accepting you know for you to say you want to be on tv and you say shut up your mouth go and be a doctor and engineer i mean oh, yeah. close to them by exactly. the way you know how african parents yeah. can be yeah. you cannot be on tv or go and be a doctor yeah my mom my mom <laughs> is more like she's objective but she's also she allows you to express your will and she believes in the fact that you know if i you know mix my own wills with yours it probably might just come out wrong so she allows you to express your will your free yeah. will you know whatever you want to do but she guides you ensures that you follow the right path you know childhood memories <laughs> a whole lot plethora 
volume, large, a whole lot, you know, fun days, you know, I always tell my, my, my elder sister, she's in Canada right now, and um, I always tell her whenever we talk, we talk a whole lot, like we, we spoke like yesterday, I'm sure we're going to talk today before I go to bed, we're really that close, you know, so I always tell her that I wish we could just go back to when we were kids, we didn't bother about family, the emotions of relationship, wife, husband, mm. or children, future. Because <laughs> our parents provided pretty much as much as they could then. And all we did was just play, eat, watch TV, read our books, you know, do whatever we want to do for fun, you know. It was really exciting. I love my childhood experiences. <laughs> uh, one of the key experiences, we lived like in a community environment. Like I said before, the diploma, a Jabota kind of rich kids. I come from an average family, so don't get it that twisted. I'm not a rich, I didn't, I'm not, I didn't come from a rich background. <laughs> you know, I was just fortunate that my mom and dad put their funds oh, together. I know Nigerian fans. <laughs> average is another way for upper sure. class, by the way. But go on. So my mom and dad put funds together to send me to diploma to join people like the rich more to, to hang out with people like her, you know. All right, that was just an aside. So um, my childhood memory, I love, um, I, I used to go to the community stream to swim. My mom didn't like that. My dad didn't like that. So we all is my siblings and I with three brothers then you know we sneak out of the house we go swim then at a point in my high school we call it secondary school in nigeria in africa uh, i'll put a pack tall cream in my bag and after school trust me we're at the stream swimming then after that we rub cream <laughs> and look all shiny then my mom would go like I don't understand. You're coming back from school looking so clean as if you're just going to school. You know, how come? You know, that kind of situation. So that was really fun for us. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, other kids are coming all dirty, looking all dusty and everything, but I'm looking all prim propped and clean. Like I just had my bath in the morning, you know. Then another thing that happened was this my cousin, um, CY, fun guy. He always sneaking. My mom didn't want him to, you know, associate with us then. Because he was the mm. was the black sheep, he would sneak through the window, and he would start singing. That we know he's around. We just sneak out. We run to the stream. We loved the stream. We could be, we sweet. As in, I think that shaped my uh, ability to move on water really well till date. You know, we, we swam a whole lot. Um, then he taught us how to make my mom forget to because when we come back, of course, strokes of the cane on your on your bum. You know, so. What he did was he told us there were certain leaves that we could tie. When we tie the leaves, then when we get back home, <laughs> my parents won't, won't flog us. You know. Where's CJ today? I think we're, we're curious no, to know why. why. I'm sure he's doing well. See why. I'm sure he's doing great oh, news in life. Shout out to CY. CY is doing great, trust me. So there was this day, CY told us, the first time ever CY told us to tie these leaves. So we tied it, you know, we said some things like, mommy, forget, forget about beating us today. Mommy, forget, forget about beating us. You say it seven times. Then we go home and my mom was back from school already. You know, she was in the living room. So we snuck into the house, you know, first. So we're scared anyway, If pretty much if it worked. You know, I was the courageous one. I walked in and I looked at my mom. She looked at me. She, she was looking, <laughs> she watched, watched whatever she was watching on TV. I walked straight to my room. I was like, God this thing worked so my little brother the one who's a boxer right now came to my window and said how far how far i said nothing i'm like it worked <laughs> so both of them came in 
and my mom didn't say anything. At 12 midnight, she came, <laughs> <laughs> she came with a cane and she beat. Technically, she forgot that day, but she resumed and the she next beat, day. So and she beat the living night out of us. We, it worked, but we it, had the, it expired. <laughs> I expired, yeah. Didn't I don't know if it worked. I don't know if it worked. We told her what happened. She was like, oh, trust wow. me, it didn't work. I just wanted you guys to have your moments because you guys are just bundle of kids. <laughs> you know, so swimming in the stream was a good memory for me. I loved it. It was a mix, oh. you know, so pretty much I loved it. It's part of my book. I, I wrote yeah. that part of my book, you know, and I, maybe I didn't deliver the joke well, but, you know, in my book, when I gave it to someone to read, the person laughed for like three days about that. I wonder why you guys are not still laughing. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're muted, but that, that was a funny one. I think growing up for me was you could pluck your eyelids mm-hmm. and then you put it under your parents' shoes mm. and then they will forget, oh, but they never no, really The eyelid one was pluck the yeah. eyelids, um, the eyelashes, you know, just pluck what? Yeah, sorry, eyelashes. eyelashes yeah. They put it on your and head. And put it on their shoes. No, yeah. ours was on the hair. And then put it on their shoes. My parents didn't forget oh, nothing. You put it on their shoes, they wear it and they forget oh, about it. I don't know who okay. came up with this painful things yeah yeah just a point of um, um clarification you grew up in Warwick, correct yeah ugeli actually ugeli is um okay delta, delta state delta ugeli state, is a right? town close to okay you know funny enough all of the big celebrities that you see today are, are mostly from ugeli not really worry worry just famous because of the oil the shell mm. chevron and all the yeah it's like um yeah, yeah, yeah. but more residents were in ugeli you know, Ugeli is like the, yeah. the city you pass before you go to Asaba, local the government. Capital. I yeah. think there's even a, a local yeah, government exactly. there, right? So, yeah, like, people yeah, like Alibaba yeah. and the rest, yeah. they're all from Ugeli, you know. Yeah. Because when you're talking about streams, I'm like, that's not legal. Because no. they've already built, they've built houses on top of those streams. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this, this is actually kind of what I was going to ask because clearly you're like, you know, you sound like you're you, you're a very people person. You're very you're the kind of person who sort of finds community and builds community. So, how did you find it moving? Yes. You know, to the abroad. How did you, you know, with the with the loneliness that everyone who comes here discovers, and no one tells you about until you get here. Well, let's 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 even clarify that Vaughn is lonely because I don't know me. Me that I was a great mom. I've been I have moments of loneliness even till today. So let's confirm that somebody like <laughs> Vaughn can be lonely because I don't think he don't include him in our demographic. I mean, they, exactly. Okay, that that probably be with uh, when I talk about my younger sister that just passed. So, but before that, mm. before that, yeah, um, I've always traveled around the world. I've been to Holland. I've been to London. I've been to France. Con. Like, you know, weird places. Like, you see someone going to France, you probably want to go to Paris, right? But I went to a city like Con, you know, first ever, my first visit to France, you know, that kind of weird thing. I want to see, like, monuments, museums. I Every year I traveled, yeah, like, I, I probably go to two countries in a year. So I really loved to travel, you know. Mm-hmm. And I started traveling, you know, early, you know. So pretty much I've been to America, like, several times, you know, since I, I think I started coming to America in 2015, you know. That was pretty late for me, though, but I've been to Europe and a couple other places like African countries, Kenya, Tanzania, you know. So abroad was more like a, a dream for me. You know, I've seen it, tasted it, felt it. I was like, okay, so this is like a place because if you want to be in Hollywood, you have to be in America, right? So that was the second dream I told my, my brother that I may not be like the big Hollywood star, but I'm, I, before I die, I'll feature in one Hollywood movie. 
like a big Hollywood movie. I've told them, and my my younger brother, I'm like, ah, you started again. You start I'm like, yeah, I started by delivered, right? They're like that's true. Huh? This guy, you, I know you would deliver this time, you know. So I said that like I'm gonna that if you eventually hear that I'm dead and you've never seen any credit to me for a Hollywood movie, <laughs> oh no, I'm in one island hiding. I'm not dead yet. Open that coffin. I'm not there. Mm. You know, so I said that again. So, and how, how can you achieve that dream? It's America. So I pretty much come to America by myself. And whilst I run my own company as entrepreneur, I also work with a multinational organization. I think the biggest financial institution on earth, you know, I'm not going to mention their name. So they don't get, they didn't pay me for that. They only pay me salaries. <laughs> you know, so I work with them as, a, as an assistant manager and I manage a huge team of financial advisors, you know, so and during the pandemic was a huge window for me because then we're introduced to remote working in Nigeria. So I pretty much saw that, wow, so you can work remotely with your workstation, you can deliver, do everything. OK, OK. So I wrote an application and I said, oh, and I gave all of the excuses and everything, the reason why I want to be in America and everything. So I, I moved. And of course, we have a branch in America here. So I started applying to them so I could get promotions. So long story short, pretty much I, I decided intentionally to move to America. And it was um, it was pretty much, I don't want to sound too cocky or to make like it was easy for me because I'd always come. That's the reason I gave the background of the fact that I traveled a lot. You know, so it was, but it's not easy and overall to relocate, but it was easy for me because it was pre-planned. Everything was calculated, you know, so moving to America was, you know, well organized and planned out for me. And all the steps I've taken, getting my driver's license, getting my um, ITIN, state um, tax, um, state control number, you know, social security number and everything like that. Everything was, was timely and organized, you know, and pam, 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 I was just, you know, you know getting things working out for me, you know, pretty much that's it. But don't let it sound like it's easy because especially if you really want to achieve that, I think you should sit down, plan it properly and do it right. That's just, that's just a takeout from this. And, and it, and it involved, involved mm. a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I imagine you had some difficulties, you know, moving, so I'm not going to undermine that, mm-hmm. but it seems that compared to many people's path to the US, yeah. you probably had it a lot easier mm-hmm. because it was, relatively, it was exactly, guided by exactly, your relatively, relatively yeah. There might be some so I think that's the right, that's the right yeah. way to put it. It's not easy, yes, but yes. relatively, but it's relatively yeah, better easier, than the easier. traditional way to So work aside, have you been able to find your people? Like I immediately said, a people person. Did you, have you experienced loneliness? Like, just, you know, dish it out. If not, what, what, what's your secret? You, a whole lot. You bubbly man. A whole lot. A whole <laughs> lot. Because people see me as, you know, because um, I've, I've done a couple of jobs here in America. Like, what I mean, jobs like uh, help out people. You know, first when I came in, I, for the fact that I, work, I still work in Nigeria, work remotely. You know, I've supported a lot of people like, you know, do certain things charity and all of that because i do a lot of charity in america so when i earn i give to charity back in nigeria at the same time so i met a lot of people diverse people you know and when they meet me for the first time because i like seeing the good out of people i don't because i tell i I tell people every day the best thing is even if you want to be a good leader it bring out the best in people you know pretty much everybody has ups and downs you know pros and cons, back and forth, go and calm, you know, like that. So if you want to get the best out of people, bring out the best in them, 
you know, tell them how good they are and be, be real about it. Don't lie, don't fake it. So pretty much that's my attitude towards people. And everybody see Vaughn as, wow, this guy's just, you know, but they don't know that I still have that moment where I think, oh, my God, my Hollywood dream. How am I going to achieve this? And I've said it. I've bragged about it. You know, that moment where I go like, oh, God, I said I was going to be a billionaire. How am I going to foot this path? I know I've started the path. But, you know, that moment where I'd say, oh, my sister is gone. God, so anyone can really die. Oh, God. You know, those are my personal lonely moments and so many things like mm-hmm. that, you know, battles in my mm-hmm. mind, trying to succeed, you know. I'm I'm this kind of person. I, I'm not braggadocious or what's the word like I I try to I believe in words have power. You think about them, you speak them and they become reality. So I try as much as I can in the best, modest way to express my reality, say it, so I don't offend anybody and so that it doesn't sound like I'm oppressing anybody with one or two achievements. Yeah, though it still comes out wrong sometimes, but I intentionally you know, do not want to hurt anybody by trying to express what I want to be or what I want to do. But I just believe that saying those things help you achieve them better, you know, increases um, the inner spiritual or physical strength or whatever you want to say about it or however you want to put it rather, you know. So, so people look at me and say, wow, this guy's getting everything going for him. But there are lonely times, lonely moments, nights Mm. and days Mm. where I just sit in my room, in my apartment and I, you know, try to, I struggle. I struggle. So you're human like the rest of us. Wow. There's so many, um, as, as in, thanks for, I was going to say, there's so many things to choose out of that. It's very humbling. And, and thanks for, you know, articulating that very nicely. Now, speaking of loneliness, I mean, the commonality between three of us on this group right now is that we've left our home country mm-hmm. and, you know, settled somewhere mm-hmm. else. And um, I think one of the big things you have to remember quickly, especially if you're doing it as an adult, is you need to find people to do life with. Um, we had a guest on the show who, whose episode released last week. This was Ormi from, um, who lives in Canada now, but she's Italian Bengali. And she talked about how the people she's friends with right now are people who almost like understand what it means like to have to yearn for that community and a group of people who really understand your passion now i know as an Nigerian living in the u.s one of the big things you hear about is you know avoid certain groups of people mm. and we have derogatory <clears throat> names sometimes for certain groups of people and i know you call them our cousins so i guess my my devil's advocate question would be Given that you moved to the U.S. and it's such a, you know, hodgepodge, a melting pot of different cultures and different people, um, what has your relationship been with, you know, um, the African Americans who, and I'm not going to mention the word we call them because I think it's quite derogatory. Mm-hmm. And what, what would you think, what would you say are some of the, um, the perceptions you've had before? even visiting the U.S. and now living, you know, with them, living here right now and, you know, mixing with a lot of them and other kinds of good people, would you say you've been able to clarify or tease out some of the things we've, you know, potentially um, held as biases and ideas about them? So specifically, I know growing up in Nigeria, we used to hear a lot of words and a lot of, you know, um, things about them. And, and I, I hate that I keep saying them because it's almost like an otherness, which I don't want to ascribe to them. But for the sake of clarification, I'm going to say them. And I mean by them, I mean African-Americans. And by the time you come here, you realize that, man, we're all blacks. You know, the moment we start binding together and, you know, talking about things that really affect us as blacks, the more we can progress. But I'm just curious to know what your experience has been so far, Von.
Okay, so um, I'd, I'd break the, the experience into three segments. So the first one was, um, yeah, the first, oh, I hope I really rushed this quickly because I had no time. Okay, the first one um, was growing up watching black American movies. We really loved them. Tupac, Biggie, you know, uh, Poetic Justice, Juice. You know, these were uh, old movies that, you know, my parents watched and would sneak and watch those kind of movies to that they had the explicit scenes. But, you know, for some reason, we just still watch you know, so I really, I just liked that, not the gangster part of them, especially the way they talk, you know, they, they talk fast, they're smart, you know, and they are, and I just liked the black Americans then, that was the, that's the first segment, so I, I fell in love with our cousins, you know, then the second part was when I started traveling, you know, so I, this, um, um, ex, like they, they describe them like though they have explicit bias for Africans not like you know pretty much we talk about implicit bias for when someone does something not because of who you are but because of something that's going on with them you know but an explicit bias is intentional stereotype you know because you are this and they have their reasons and that's the message so that second segment is not from my personal experience with them but from um, information or people's perception shared with me. So a lot of people were telling me that, oh, our cousins don't like us for some one or two reasons, especially they say we sold their forefathers for slavery and all of those things. And I, so I, I, I struggled with that, with especially my first love for the black Americans. Now, people who have been here before me are now telling me that their experiences with them is they're very rational, they're these, they're that, they don't have respect for culture because we come from two different backgrounds that, you know, especially when you are a Nigerian man, you try to get married to a black American you know, the, the, there's this friction and I said so the first thing I thought to myself was like okay, so for instance, I told one of my friends today who has the same, no yesterday sorry, who has the same perception about black Americans, I said, if you visited your aunt and you do not wash the dishes and your aunt yells at you you probably think because I'm not her child that's the reason she's yelling at me but if your cousin who's your aunt's child does not wash the dishes and your aunt even spanks your cousin your cousin doesn't say because I'm not your child but yours, there's this bias in your mind already, you know. So I think, don't you think that this is what is going on? Yes, I quite understand that we come from different barriers. You're like, no, it's a lie, blah, blah, blah. Now, that's the second phase. Man, the third phase is my personal experience. My personal experience is a mix. I've actually experienced what I've heard. I've experienced what I had before when I was a kid, what the perception I had when I was a kid, the love I have for them, the swag, you know, the way they talk, you know, and all of this. And I've seen that. I loved it. And I've seen the part where they also have this bias towards us. I've seen it on YouTube where they talk about us negatively and all of that, that we sold them for slavery. So I kept advocating to them that no, the white man came to Africa with gunpowder. We couldn't have sold you. They'll take whatever they want. They'll take the kings and chiefs. They didn't need the kings and chiefs to sell you. They'll just take everybody. So don't think that it, that story was created. That history, personally, I think, because I've done my research, I discovered that these guys wrote our own history for us. 
I mean, the white man, don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't hate the white guys. Of course, I have a lot of white friends. But those that perpetrated that evil then wrote that history. Don't believe that thing you read there. Have you forgotten that these guys came to take our bronze, our artwork? We were already civilized. We had mirrors. We were already doing Ogogoro, Ogogoro's gene, local gene. So you couldn't come and sell gene to me and take my brother. Because I, exactly, I live in a tropical environment. I have, I'm the king of gene. So what gene, you're coming from your temperate region. What gene from your, what wood or what kind of tree are you getting your gene from, you know? So pretty much I tried to tell as much as I could tell that, no, that story. So that, you should delete that from your mind. We didn't sell you. They took you away, and the only way to put friction between us is to tell you that we sold you for slavery. We did not. I don't believe that story any day, and I will not believe that story. They took you away, and for them to look a little bit good so they don't take all of the blame to themselves, they want to share the blame. Oh, your chiefs and kings and your forefathers also were part of the slave process because they sold your forefathers. No, there was no there was no trade. It was gone and forced. All right. So I want to take this opportunity to any black American watching this episode right now. We are one, same skin color. We loved you. The, the average African man loves a black American from home. It's only when a few people come here, they see different experiences and not go like, whoa. Growing up, we hollowed our cousins. We looked at them as, you know, super demigods. We love you guys. We didn't sell our forefathers for slavery. So that should be, you know, eroded from your memories, you know, and we shouldn't be separated. We shouldn't be, we didn't come to take your jobs. You know, we came to join you, to support you, to move the black community forward with our experiences, your experiences, our education, your education. The sky is big enough. America has a huge economy. The blacks are 13% in America. You can't eat the entire economy alone. Even if we bring twice your population into America, America will still survive. Please accommodate us. We love you. We love you. We love you. Wow. Um, Controversial, right? I don't even know. Yeah, well, not controversial, but there's some bits and pieces of that that I'm like, do we need to clarify? But you know what? Those are your words, and I'm not gonna punctuate them or taint them. But I think the the sweet the the best part of it is, you know, we're one, we're one skin, we're one skin exactly. color, exactly. We, we're blacks, and I mean the history, the historical parts of it might be debatable. Oh, and, yeah, sure. And I think on Please. both yeah, sides, yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm, I I'm, I'm, uh, on both sides, let me just say this quickly. Yeah, sorry, go let ahead. me say this quickly. The part of the history where I said that we did not sell, you know, it's my own. Yes, that part. Yeah, my own perception. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. own perception. My own perception. My own. My yeah. own findings. Yeah, yeah. And it's hundred percent debatable. It may be true, but for me, my rational cognitive thinking, I do not see any possibility of someone coming to invade my territory with gunpowder and still give me. Um, before I stop hitting the table again and still give me uh, a gene to sell my brothers. Yeah, maybe it could happen yeah, in pocket yeah. sizes. Don't get me twisted. It could have happened in pocket sizes, but on an overall, it wasn't a, it wasn't a major 
a bargain that happened during the slave trade. The slave trade was yes. a forceful. And, and I think that's not even like the, the crux of your of your. Sorry, sorry for cutting you. Okay. I don't think that's the crux of your of your of your speech. I wanted to bring out the most beautiful oh, part okay. of it. Like regardless of our history, like the history we can we might not really know exactly what happened because, again, like you said, whoever writes the history has the power. And, you know, there could be pockets of truth mm-hmm. here and there. But I think I want to focus on things that are more beneficial, which is the future. Right. And and I think on both sides, it's about perception. We both have to understand that we're all in this together. And a classic example that I use, which I didn't come up with, you know, even though I wish I did, was if a cop were to stop me on the road today, he's not going to care that I'm a Nigerian princess. Mm-hmm. He's going to think I'm just black. Right. And whatever, you know, institutional bias comes with that, I'm going to be at the brunt end of it. So I think it's high time Africans, especially to come down from that superiority complex we have sometimes Mm -hmm. when it comes to our cousins and see how we can move the continent. And by the continent, I mean the black, you know, race as a whole, as as a where, you know, forward community, wherever we are dispersed. And I think on the other end of it is, you know, again, visit Africa. You know, I might by Africa, I'm not saying that as a, how people just say Africa is a country. I always encourage my African American friends, do your DNA. Find out where you're from. Mm-hmm. If you have if you need any resources, if you want to connect to anybody from whatever country you find that you're from, I can help you. And and I think mm-hmm. that when we start connecting in that way, we're gonna we're gonna move forward. But yeah. I don't wanna spend so much time on this um on this part of it. But I really do appreciate, you know, you sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask um I wanted to ask a question about something that has come up a few times okay. so far from um, some of the things you've been saying, which is your the fact that you're entrepreneurial, um, which is obviously something that in the US is just a perfect fit, isn't it? With the sort of spirit of the, mm-hmm. of the United States. Um, what's, how, how, how would, I, th- I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with obviously because you know there's the idea that there's this idea of freedom in you know in being entrepreneurial which obviously i think any entrepreneur knows that there's a lot more to it than just being free um, and in some ways it's it's more tricky and more difficult um so what what would you say to someone who is sort of struggling with the nine to five life and sort of dreaming about becoming entrepreneurial what if if you had three things you could say to them what what would that be okay so basically i'm for me personally i would advise that if you are not if you do not have courage which is one of my values you know courage you will not succeed as an entrepreneur you know and don't forget that uh, like you said outrightly entrepreneurial um, skills or um, a journey it's highly competitive you know, it's not something you just say you want to delve into if you're comfortable with your nine to five and you are not called out to be an entrepreneur to start a business. Um, pretty much our advice, stay where you are. As funny as that may sound, because if you come out from where you are, your comfort zone, you know, I classify humans as two different kinds of people. Yeah, some are the CEOs from uh, CEOs in their own business and CEOs in already multinational or whatever organizations that they are. So you can actually be a career person, do a lot of skill acquisition, learning and grow in your organization, move from one company to another company, become a manager, senior manager, become a CEO of the company. So you're still entrepreneur. So, But if you're not called out for an already um, um, a rugged terrain, because being 
doing nine to five is already an organized terrain. You're just coming into fit and to grow. But coming out of that means you need to recalibrate the system for yourself. And also, I tell people, you must understand that value drives any business. So courage, integrity, you know, customer focus, because a lot of us don't understand that the customer is key, customer is king, customer is number one. So these are my three values that actually drive my business, customer focus, courage, and um, um, integrity and innovation, actually. So it's that, you know, so first thing is do not leave if you don't, if you don't have the guts. Then second is if you leave, understand that there are a whole lot that comes with it, competitiveness and your values is to come into play. Intentionally didn't want to make wow. it sound easy, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't think you made it sound easy because it's, it's, not, not. it's not. And oh my gosh, Siobhan, you you've always had a way with words, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my my follow up question would be this. So, anytime I think about Von, I think about Von, my friend, and even in the light of your um your celebrity height, I know when you did good at Ultimate Search, you are probably one of the most you know. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know the word for it. People were like, oh, that one is too much. And I remember just being within hearing shots of somebody just talking smack about it. I'm like, no, people don't know Vaughn. And I got very defensive. I think this was oh when the ultimate certain came up and everybody like put you out or something like that. And oh, for those I don't know, Gouda Ultimate Search is kind of like survival. Hold it, like hold a, it. Um, a reality TV after, show. after this conversation, yeah. send me your address and send me what you would love to get, and I'll send I'll buy something from Amazon for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, anyways, for, hold, um, for holding my back, Vaughn, Vaughn, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Vaughn, Vaughn, you people don't know Vaughn. This is all just strategy to win, oh, to yeah. win a game and to establish his brand. Yeah, but I imagine that because that was your first. I mean, you've done other production, but I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gouda Ultimate Set actually brought you to the you're right to the forefront of Nigeria. Very correct. You're you very kind correct. of use that to kind of build on your brand. You're very correct. Now, um, and you, this was before social media, Instagram, right. and you know all of that. And you captivated our TV shows, and I was super proud of you because it wasn't oh too God, long after you. we left, you know, college. Yeah. So how did you manage your brand? How do you how did you manage your manage your brand perception, especially that you came in, you came you came to be in our forefront by being one of the most infamous yeah. Gouda Ultimate Search contestants. Yeah, thank you. So uh, pretty much, well, after the Ultimate Search, I like the part you said. Um, even after the show, I became I I still you know stayed normal. But trust me, after the show, yeah, every other person that was because Ultimate Search 2 was pretty much the famous according to research and statistics done. They were like, even till date, that's still the most famous show because, you know, the the trend started going down over time after our search because they were like, the characters yeah, were just unique, yeah. you know. And one good thing about... You guys brought the heat. Yeah, we brought the heat <laughs> on, man. We brought the heat on. But another thing I also want to clarify because I think... Um, this might be one of this might be the first time I'll say this because I've always kept this away from um, the media, even all the interviews I had. But let me just say once and for all, you know, I pretty much wasn't the bad guy in Ultimate Search like people perceived me to be. You know, I was a very funny guy in the jungle. I was, but remember, it was an edited show. It was a don't get me wrong, it's a live, it's a reality TV show, but not a live show like The Big Brother. Yeah, so yeah. they had the editing for the controversy. We know yeah, that the, things that are making exactly. So the director, so the director even together, told me, yeah. "Bon, I'm going to make you really famous, but I'm going to make you a bad guy. I need a villain." 
I like I, I said, yeah, I'm down for it. Make me the villain, man. I don't care, you know. So he actually captured most of um, the villain looking kind of, you know. But then then and also to to also make you sound right, which is true. I intentionally did certain things to just be famous. I wanted to be known. I wanted everybody to hear my name, every home to talk about me, you know, and I succeeded. And I knew I was going to have the opportunity to learn that, that image, come back and tell people, no, I'm not that kind of person, you know. And I have friends like Mo that would always watch my back and say, no, that's not the Vaughn. I know Vaughn, that was just an act, you know, just like the bad guy in the movie, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but managing the brand. So after the fame, I, I, I told myself I was going to remain humble. I became a, a personal millionaire then. I had so much money. I was like, gosh, I'd never seen this kind of money before. I went to all the big restaurants. I met with about 10 governors in Nigeria. I had dinner with them. Donald Duke was my godfather then, one of the most famous governors in Nigeria. I was like, you know, I was floating in the air. And I tell people if social media, if there was Twitter, if there was um, Instagram and the rest, I'd probably be like... Um, maybe Brad Pitt right now of Africa or something, you know, because I was really famous, you know. So managing it is just being humble. I, I told myself intentionally I'll be humble. I'll still hang out with my friends. I guess he came to see me in the hotel. He was shocked that I allowed them because all the security guys were like, all right, all right. I was like, my friends are coming and hang out with me. We had dinner. You know, a few other friends came. Lelo, I don't know if you remember Lelo. You know, a few other friends came in, you know, pretty much. And after that, you know, I was just normal. So the first key, the first thing I took home out of that was the fact that I remained humble. I told myself I wouldn't be different. Then also I intentionally understood that now I'm a celebrity. My status has changed. You know, I I started having uh, bigger movies, started doing sub-lead lead roles. You know, I did a couple of, I did about almost 13 movies after that, you know, even more. So I, I signed a contract with Mnet. I started doing some Mnet um, series and, you know, so whilst I was humble, I intentionally remembered that, you know, this guy's mini, I don't call myself early celebrity, mini celebrity, but at least I'm known, oh. you know, and not just known by every yeah. other person, even celebrities were looking up to me, like Two-Face became my friend, you know, um, AY, Basket Mouth, these are the kind of people that were now rolling with me, chatting me up, talking to me, I was like, oh, really? okay, you know, if you look at my Twitter right now, you see like Daria Talade, these mm. are the guys that follow me, you know, you know, mm. so... I just try my best to stay humble, you know, encourage people, try to tell people that it's possible wherever you are, wherever you are. Then just be intentional that you're a celebrity now, even if you're not like the, the Brad Pitt kind of celebrity or Tom Cruise kind of celebrity, but you are. So just follow the flow. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. Now, um, this is my this is the final question we're probably gonna be asking you on the show. And I saved it for last because of just how um heavy it is, and I know it's very significant to you. You've also alluded to it um in the beginning of our conversation. Now, um, you've been through a lot, you know, you've you've had and and I wanna punctuate my question with this um statement that I think one thing I've learned about life, especially that came to my forefront during the pandemic was like I've learned to appreciate the dichotomy of loss and happiness and that life is usually that constant stream of, like you have two streams running of good things and of bad things happening. And the honest is on us. And I think that was something um, I immediately said in one of our episodes, like when you have bad memories, you have to make 
like poor meaning the meaning doesn't come sometimes through the bad meaning but you have to find out the meaning you put to it so i know you've suffered um like you had a tragic car accident that almost lost your life but you bounced back from that and then smack dab i think sometime last year you lost your sister i mean i've known you for a while and even when we're in diploma you talked about your baby sister a lot like everyone that was close to you knew about tega and so even though we, you and i hadn't talked in a while before then the moment i saw that news in fact i saw the news trending but i didn't know it was even your sister because they used her you know her married name and when i read it, i was like hold on this person looks familiar i reached out to you on facebook right away because i'm like even years of silence because it wasn't like we didn't want to talk we just weren't talking I'm like, no, this is Von's sister. No way. So it took me back to Von in diplomat days, talking about his sister, the apple of his eyes. And I'm like, Von, I'm sorry. I just heard the news. Are you doing okay? I told Lamide about it. Our friend, I, I reached out to Agazi and I know they reached out to you as well. You also lost your dad as well sometime, you know, um, a few years. But I guess what I'm just trying to ask is, how's it been? And and I hate that your sister's death has been, uh, and I do, I'm sorry to make you cry, has been punctuated with so many controversies that, even her her, her gifts because she she could sing beautifully well you know um have have kind of been lost in that conversation so i'd like this opportunity to redeem you know that to take seize that narrative and maybe tell us how you would like for her to be remembered so maybe just share a little bit about your sister and how life has been since just you know coping with her her death and not just her death but also of her baby because you're supposed to be an uncle through her and all of those dreams are not to be here on earth but I, I am glad that someday you'll be united in heaven and all that but please you know just take your moment and answer this question and i'm so sorry for um for make for for i apologize for this tender moment but whenever you're ready just take your time in answering answering it okay so uh whenever whenever i think about her if when, this is my lonely times you know i talk about it a lot because i just sit oh, down and watch much. her videos on youtube and i'll start crying because i'm perceived to be this hard guy tough guy yeah i know but this broke me broke my heart man broke my heart and we're really close because i I trained her, you know, when I when I mean I trained her, I I I discovered her talent in music and I started putting on reality TV shows, you know, cuz she she always looked up to me even the husband said every time they spoke, they always wanted to be like me. That's what he said and that made me really cry for more cuz he said that Tega always told him that she wants to be a star like Vaughn. That when Vaughn came out on Mnet, that the next thing she thought she was a little girl but she was like I want to be like my big brother. You know, so she, she she reached out to me and she started first with the the Glow Ninja Singh. She was phenomenal. She was a regional champion. She came to Lagos, and I was already in Lagos, you know. And she did very well. I put her on the Project Fame on Nigerian Idols, you know, and she became remarkable. Then um, she went on to do the Star Quest, and you know that was the the icing on the cake and she became a celebrity in Nigeria so she was known pretty much when she came out I could imagine that even we go out together people forget the fact that this is Vaughn from the Golden Ultimate Message they just you know they go to her for autograph and sometimes I say what about me here too you know that kind of stuff and she laughs and she looks at me we had our lovely moments you know 
now hearing that she she passed on i was already in america when she was supposed to come to america to even have a baby because i'd always i told her that see she traveled she's traveled around to sing also because when she started traveling to england south africa and all of that she went to record her album in south africa you know so i told her take her let's let me go work um let me help you get a visa to come to america so that maybe you can you know have your first child in america and everything that would really be a nice thing then i also told her to leave the church to leave that Koza church i wasn't comfortable with the church I, I, I'm not trying to come out at anybody, but that was my personal belief. I wasn't comfortable because there were too many controversies about the church. And I told that Tega, yes, the church has tried for you. You've tried for the church. You're a minister in the church. You've done well. I think it's time to launch a personal career, you know. And this happened before the whole incident. Now they say she had her complications. She was pregnant. And she met a dentist that started prescribing, you know, a diclofenac and stuff like that to her. And these are things that are anti-inflammatory and they see pregnancy as inflammation. So those things that are attacking the baby and, you know, unknown to her, first pregnancy, um, husband not too experienced with anything, you know, they struggled with the pregnancy for five months, five months. And everything was avoidable because they went to the hospital you know, a good hospital in Abuja and 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 they lost the baby first and of course it was non-viable and she was so her cord her cord you know I don't know if you snapped but for some reason they were supposed to do the operation immediately evacuate those things out of her but they didn't they waited till the next day it's my sister bled she had internal bleeding she, and I spoke to her and I called her I called her that night out like she, she, and she was listening to a lot of gospel music she was praying I made her laugh so my sister-in-law who was with her then said oh she called me general I'm like general do you know you're the first person that made Tega laugh like yes, I know I could make her laugh, you know. But I told Tega, take it easy, don't worry, Tega, you'll be fine. She started crying, she had pains. Like Tega, no. Then I slept, so I was I was in my room, so I took a nap after I spoke to her, you know. Then I had a dream. It was a weird dream. Like I saw Tega, Tega called me, I'm like, Vaughn, come, come see my house. So we're like, we're you know going through an escalator and everything, and she showed me somewhere. You know, she was showing showing me around a house and everything. I saw a candle burning in my dream. It was like a ranch. She was like, so she was outside the ranch. I was like, take her, come in, come in, come in. It's dangerous out there, you know. Then my phone rang and I woke up. Then my sister-in-law said, take her, gone. I was like, what? Are you crazy? Take her was a big celebrity. Take her was, take her impacted lives as in, we, we had a concert for her and a lot of people a lot of people were touched and we're still gonna have like an annual or biannual concert for her or maybe a once in two years concert for her um the day she, she'd actually died uh, December, um, January 5 because the whole the whole complication started in December though you know so 
are going to have that. The church didn't even, the, the church didn't even do nothing. I mean, like when I mean nothing, they didn't act like somebody great just passed on. They just went on like it was normal, you know? I'm not angry with anybody. I'm not bitter or I'm not picking out on anybody, but it just worries me that people could just act the yeah, people could just act the way they act. The pastor and the church members, like Tega was just a com she was the head of the code of the of the gratitude. She was a leader in the gratitude. You know? And the gratitude is the is the music group where she sang for um, the Koza Church, you know, and it's so it's so weird that I still dream about Tegel till tomorrow. I see her in my dreams. There was a dream I had where someone was trying to yell at me, or somebody was trying to attack me, and Tega chased the person away. And she looked at me, she winked, and she smiled. You know, that gives me courage that she's probably somewhere watching over me. I don't know if it's just me creating that in my mind, or for some reason I don't know. But I just want to believe that Tega is happy where she is. She was a good person. She was faithful to her husband. She was she was a minister of God. She sang good songs. She touched different lives. Tigger was a happy person. Whenever you met Tigger, when I did my master's in Unilag, my parents, you know, my parents are these funny kind of people, you know, so they sent Tigger, because Tigger was in Lagos, staying in my house somewhere, you know, in Lagos, but I was not living in that house because I was, I was uh, working in VI, so I needed to move house. So, but I still had my house, my rent and everything there. So she was living in that particular house where I was somewhere, you know, away from my house. So when I went in for my convocation, my master's convocation, I saw Tega popped in. I didn't even tell her because I just thought it wasn't a big deal. Just get this convocation done and done with and just move on. But I saw Tega, she popped in and she was smiling and looking at me. I'm like, Tega, what are you doing here? And like my parents sent her to come and investigate me. <laughs> to come and investigate me. You know, we laughed. She was just trying to be funny, you know. We laughed about it. I have those memories of her. She was a good person, man. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. That's, I mean, obviously that's, yeah, it's obviously still very painful. Um, and, you know, very hurtful and, yeah, difficult. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that, um, Vaughn. And, and I appreciate you just sharing about your sister and, um, reminding us that Beyond had just been a celebrity and superstar. She was your baby sister. And um, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about it because I I don't think you've talked about it publicly, you know, like this. I don't think so. And it's quite an honor to you know have you you know share that with us because I know it took a lot. I mean, clearly, I can I can see that on your face and just how much you know it's still raw for you. But again, I'm gonna leave you in the person of the Holy Spirit to do what He does best, which is to comfort you, and um and strengthen you and yours. And I imagine that even your family dynamic has been quite affected because um, you and your siblings and even a husband, you know, um, it's it's going to take it's it, it's not something you would ever forget. Um, but I am encouraged that you keep her memory alive through the concerts and, and the programs and even her administration. 
having it on YouTube is still going to keep touching lives. And I'm so sorry for what you went through at the hands of, you know, just mismanagement of, of her case in the hospital and all that. We've, we've had, we've had people come on the show talk about, you know, losing pregnancies and even, you know, losing lives. And I'm so sorry because I think the most painful part I imagine is that it could have been prevented. It could have been managed. It was avoidable. Yes, yes. And it doesn't, saying it doesn't make it better. If anything, it might just enlarge your world. So I pray that God will comfort you and keep giving you strength for days to come. And, and thank you so much, Vaughn. Thank you for um, reminding us who Tega was and her vibrant spirits, her, her love for people. And I can definitely see how she was your baby. And so I thank you for sharing that. I tell, I tell people, if, if, it, if it doesn't happen to you, because I, I hear people cry that they lose loved ones. I hear people talk about it. And I, I really don't, I really did not understand it until it happened to me. I tell people, you don't know how it feels until it happens to you. Someone dies, you say they lost someone. But if you, it's a heartbreak, man. I felt ill. I was sick. I was sick. My heart palpitated. It's painful. I don't wish anyone to go through it. I think I was young. And she came came to the house. She came to the house and my daughter loves to sing and she said she was gonna teach me the house. Oh Yvonne, Yvonne, so sorry. Thanks a lot for sharing that man. Um Yeah. Um it's 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 hard to lose I don't I think often of the fact that um people often think of grief as losing someone um or losing something but it's it's and it's because it's not just i think people always think it's just yeah it's not just the person you're losing it's the future you know that you had imagined you would have with them that you've lost as well it's not just the time you've not just lost the time you had with them you've lost the time you were hoping you would have you've lost the ideas and things that you thought was going to come I'm sorry sorry really sorry Vaughn <laughs> just take your time man take your time you know, I was just wondering like have you you know because obviously I know these things take time um, but do you think maybe therapy might help because I feel like there's probably a lot to process you know there's a lot to process and I don't know if you have someone to process it with I'm talking I'm, talk, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to someone though I'm seeing it's, someone it's, right now it's, yeah. it's a lot and I don't know I feel like there's a lot of I, I, I don't I don't know you I've not met you before today but I feel like there's a lot of this you've been carrying right because obviously this is very difficult stuff thanks so much for sharing it um and for for being open and vulnerable about something so painful um but yeah i think i think it's going to speak to because there's a lot of people um you know who have experienced loss um and even when it's not because of you know it's not because of 
avoidable incidents and, and issues. Um, I think there's still a lot of people who struggle with the that sense of guilt as well of, you know, maybe if I was there, maybe if I had done this or said this. Um, and I think it's it's there's something good about knowing that there's someone out there who is who feels like that who feels the same way and you know like you're not the only one feeling like this or the only one struggling in this way um and and yeah i think i think there's something powerful about being able to share these things um you know a problem shared is not always a problem half solved because sometimes it can't solve so some problems can't be solved um but there's something about being able to share it and because I think there's something that happens when something is in your head and only in your head and it's bouncing around in there. Um, and it can almost sort of drive you up the wall. And there's something about it's like talking about it allows you to release some of that steam, you know, um, so that you're not sort of caught up in your own rumination, which I think is, is something one can easily become in danger of when something is this heavy and this painful. Because pain, pain is isolating, you know. And going back to what you were saying about community, um, I think there's something about pain that makes us pain. Pain when pain is only you, right? When you're in pain, there's a sense in which no one can know your pain, um, and there's a sense in which that makes us want to keep to ourselves. Because if no one can know our pain, then, well, then it's just going to be us with our pain sitting alone. But actually, there's something beautiful in in that moment when you're so isolated by your own pain in finding community i, I will say this I, I i am seeing a therapist for stuff that I'm, i've been through myself so i'm not just i'm not i'm not saying no, no no i don't think everybody should have a therapist actually but i'm just saying i'm not i mean the, the only other thing i was going to say is I've, I've been through something recently um, which was really painful and it's nothing on the level of what you've described but I did something in that moment that I'd never done. Um, and I did it because one of the things I'm trying to do as I get older is... Talan and I have talked about this. The fact that, you know, there's research that's shown that the older people get, the less friends they make and less friends they have. And especially men. You know, that there's something about men that as men grow older, it turns out that they don't have friends and they're sort of isolated and alone. Um... And I've been trying to push back against that in my life because I realized that, oh my goodness, if I'm not careful, I'm headed in that direction. And I went through something recently and it was really painful. I'm not the kind of person who normally reaches out when I'm in pain. Talani knows this. Um, but I did something that I've never done. I sent a text to three of my friends. One of them is this woman right here. Um, and I said, such and such just happened. I don't want to talk about it but I want you to be aware. Keep me in your prayers. And it was the first time in my life that I was sort of balancing that, you know, I want to be alone, but I want to also reach out in my aloneness. Does, does that make sense? And over time, I've had a chance to have chats and talk with each of those people. But in that moment, I did not want to. But I also had come to a point where I realized that even though I don't want to talk to them now, Sure. They're important enough that I need them to be aware that this is happening. And I, a time will come when we'll talk about it. But it's not right now. Because if I tell them, then 
I have to talk to them about it. And that prevents me, that prevents me from never bringing it up again. But I also am able to say, I don't want to talk about it now. And um, I am a psychiatrist, by the way, so he knows what he's talking about. Yes, he's based in the UK practicing and he's very, he's really helped me a lot on mental health stuff. And so when he says to see a therapist, he's coming from a, from a, a place of knowledge. Thanks for, yeah. Thanks for making it light on me. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with you guys. I really honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate what you guys just uh, said to me. It touches me and it helps a whole lot. You know, and it feels like I have the feeling like you're sharing, you know, part of what I'm going through and you're helping me carry it along, you know, from exactly what you said. Doesn't really have to be like, oh, you share the same pain or how I feel, but for some reason you've you've just um put yourselves in my heart and try to like part my heart a little bit and say it's okay. And I feel good about that. I wanna say I appreciate you guys for that. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you because it took a lot for you to share that and it means a lot that you know you you share that with us we don't take that for granted and kudos to you for being able to express that and um i know it's gonna get better i don't know how but i i mean you've overcome a lot and i don't even think this is something to overcome but i know that it's gonna get beautiful and sure. i cannot wait to hear more about your sister and you know just her spirit and her works and you know seeing all of that just blossom because i know the tenacity you you have as a person as her big brother you'll never let us forget about that and and i'm very encouraged about that so i cannot wait Mm -hmm. to read more and hear more about tiger and kudos to you and your Mm -hmm. family and keep praying for you guys that you know um you're supported well during this very tough time so thanks for coming on the show thanks for coming on the show all right i think it's a good note to kind of end um we've talked a lot today we've explored the life of vaughn and and you know his entrepreneurial spirit his celebrity life what he's currently doing and just you know his sister as well if there are bits and pieces of this podcast episode that speaks to you please let us know and we hope that whatever you're facing right now be it loss or grief we hope that this encourages you that you shouldn't be alone you know um seek that person to talk to and maybe find ways to share about your loved ones to keep their memory going and as always we hope this episode you know um connects with you and if there are any ways more ways we can support you on the podcast please don't hesitate to reach out to us see you guys next time and thank you so much man thank you so much man bye all right bye guys bye.